of America. You have joined the Daily Answer, part of the ARE, Answering Religious Air Programs. We, uh, we also have a live Bible Q&A Wednesday, uh, noon Eastern time. And then we have a Tuesday show at noon Eastern time. It's called Why I Believe. That's the current topic. There's the Thursday night show, 8 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, older women, likewise, older women teaching younger women. And then also remember, we have something else called Bob's Bible Basics. And so all of that is that answering religious error, along with this program, The Daily Answer. I'm your host, Mark Dunnigan. Second uh, Corinthians 12, want to talk about a, uh, a topic that a number of people kind of speculate about, Paul's thorn in the flesh. Verse 7, 2 Corinthians 12, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness or weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I'd like to just walk through this section of scripture this morning with you. And thanks for thanks for joining me. First of all, let's kind of take a look here. What the thorn was not. The thorn was not sinful activity on Paul's part. I say that because when a Christian keeps on engaging in a sin, that's not something to boast about. And when I'm continuing in a sin, the power of Christ does not rest upon me. In fact, when I do that, the gospel looks really weak. When I am sinning, I'm not being perfected. I'm being corrupted. And when God's people persist in any sin, that discredits the gospel. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and in verse 14 or 1 John 3.10, For by this your children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not from God. All right. The thorn in the flesh did not arise because Paul was making foolish or sinful choices. Rather, this thorn showed up to keep him humble. He was making really good choices. The thorn in the flesh was not a flaw or a problem that he could change about himself or his circumstances. His thorn was not a lack of prayer or a lack of Bible study or not talking to people about the gospel. That was not it. Paul had drastically changed and had completely dedicated himself to following Christ, Galatians 2.20. And even earlier in this book, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12. The thorn in the flesh was something that Paul could not remove. He could not change it. In fact, he had no control over it. Fleeing or forsaking was not an option. I mean, when it comes to sin, Paul will say, flee youthful us. Second Timothy 2.22. This is something Paul could not flee. Now, in the context 
we have a number of things that do fall into the thorn category. When he says, I'm well content with insults, distresses, persecutions, difficulties for Christ's sake. That is persecution that comes my way, not because I'm a knothead, not because I'm making foolish choices, persecution, hardship that comes my way because I'm a faithful Christian. And that's verse 10. When Paul says, for when I am weak, I'm strong. Again, we're not talking about moral weakness. We're not talking about unfaithfulness. We're talking about something Paul has no control over, like persecution, which brings its own hardships and challenges. Yeah, it's very careful here that when God says, well, power is perfected in weakness, that does not mean that God is going to perfect perfect his power because you're morally being careless or because I'm dabbling in sin or because I'm doing things in secret that I should not be doing. God's power is not perfected in that. Okay, so that's not, I don't know, we, I just don't like sometimes when people talk about, well, they're spiritually weak. Well, wait a minute, are they unfaithful? <laughs> is that what we're really saying? Are they dabbling in sin? Are they a lukewarm Christian? Because weakness here is things like where you're suffering for being a Christian. You're not suffering for your sins. Okay, that's the weakness here. Now, whatever the particular thorn was, it was inflicted by Satan. It, it says it's a messenger of Satan, and it's permitted or allowed by God. But it's not more than Paul could handle, the promise of 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says to buffet me, that's in the present tense, implying that this, um, this was an ongoing situation. This is not something that just showed up one weekend and then that was it. This was a pretty constant thing in Paul's life. And persecution was one of those constant things. It's also, I think, very wise on the part of the Holy Spirit to leave the precise nature of the thorn unrevealed. Because God is telling us that one specific ailment or temptation should not get all the sympathy or focus. Now, he says he besought the Lord three times over this. Now, knowing the character of Paul, I, would, I think it's very obvious that his motivation in praying for its removal was completely unselfish. I don't see Paul being a selfish man. That is that Paul was always concerned about one overriding thing, spread of the gospel. It would appear that Paul believed that he could do more for the kingdom, be more effective if this particular problem or obstacle, again, it's not a personal problem. It's not some sort of sin on Paul's part. It's something that he has absolutely no control over. It is something like outside of him. It's something that he cannot simply change by making some choices. And so I think Paul certainly felt that he had very good reasons why this thorn should be removed. And, and clearly, Paul is not afraid to suffer for the sake of Christ. So Paul is not saying, hey, I'm afraid and I don't really want to suffer and etc. Um, I mean, Paul suffered a lot for the sake of Christ. Uh, the previous chapter, 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 33, says that. So removal of the thorn was not a desire for just a comfortable life. 
But then the response back from God is that, and notice here's the prayer that Paul prayed three times. I think it would be inaccurate to say that the prayer was not answered. The prayer was answered, but not in the way that Paul thought. It was not in the way that Paul had at least initially desired. The response back from God is, my grace is sufficient for you. And the tense of the verb indicates that that was a continuous answer. That is that that just had to be accepted for Paul's whole life. My grace is enough for you. Paul is sure told that he is to remember that he is an unworthy object of God's unceasing favor. So there's a couple of things here. God is saying to Paul, the thorn is not too much to bear. Not only that, and it's already been tempered by my grace, but also this thorn is not an obstacle that's preventing you from being effective. If you think it is, that's the wrong, that's the wrong perspective. This is not getting in the way of spreading the gospel. Then he says, my power is perfected in weakness, or my power comes to full strength in like times like this. Again, a reminder, the weakness here is not unfaithfulness or spiritual weakness or moral weakness. And this is not an automatic given. We must cooperate with God for his power to be, be perfected in our state of need. That is, as in all other areas of growth, we must let this process happen. Look at James 1, 2 through 4. One writer said this brief explanation showed Paul why the Lord gave him the thorn or allowed it. It was done lest he lift himself up and thus become an unfoot tool. The thorn was a gift. It was a blessing. So when I allow a trial to humble me and face up to the truth that I cannot handle life all by myself, I am actually coming out of that stronger and will be more effective than when I consider myself rather self-sufficient and clever. The same is true when I come out of a trial with full confidence in God's wisdom and governance of the universe and his love, like Habakkuk 3, 16 through 19. Or when I'm going through hardship and yet I am continually grateful for my blessings in the hardship. Like uh, Philippians chapter 1, about verse 12, where Paul said, you know, this imprisonment of mine has actually turned out to benefit the gospel. First of all, it's, man, it's put me right here in Rome, and it's given me a direct audience with Caesar and his household. Some of them I've converted, but also it's really given a shot in the arm to many of the Christians who are far more bold with the gospel. You see, when others see us experiencing trials, yet still hopeful, optimistic, grateful, cheerful, still doing our job, well, they realize that we have access to a power that is not of this world. Then Paul said, therefore, I am well content. And I think it's one of those things that's probably, um, that is something you must learn. It's like Paul said, okay, God knows what he's doing. God is wise. And God says, here's the reasoning behind the thorn is there. Out of this, can you're going to be a stronger person, and it's going to keep you humble and close to me. And then it's like, well, okay, I accept that. I am grateful for that. 
Not only that, but instead of viewing the thorn as a problem, Paul said, well, therefore I am well content with such things. I am come to terms, that is, I don't resent the distresses, the persecutions, the difficulties for the sake of Christ. I don't resent those things. I don't view those as obstacles or hurdles anymore because I've come to terms with the fact, and I trust God, that in such periods that he will call weakness. Again, it's not moral. It's not, it's not a lack of faith. It's not doubt. It looks, from an earthly point of view, it looks weak. Okay. It just looks like, well, when you're the one being persecuted from an earthly, limited, fallible, superficial point of view, it kind of looks like you're the weak one. But the reality is you're not the weak one. The reality is you're actually the strong one. When people see you overcoming horrible circumstances that simply destroyed and ruin others, it's clear you've chosen to rely upon and have an access to a power that is divine. When people see you forsaking and simply walking away from sins that have entrapped and resulted in billions of addicted and messed up lives, people are seeing that you are cooperating with the power of God. Well, have you come to the point that you are well content with? Again, never be well content with your foolish choices. <laughs> never be well content with the fact that maybe you're not reading or praying as much as should, you should. Don't be well content with a mediocre marriage um, and, and that you're, part, you're to blame for that. Okay. Do not be well content for a lack of attendance and not sharing the gospel and being too timid. You should be never well content with those things. But so you're living a faithful life and you're suffering for it. You're being persecuted. The world's giving you pushback. Family's giving you pushback. Okay. Be well content with that and rejoice in that and realize that in those sort of moments, you're going to come out stronger than ever, and it's drawn you closer to God. Mark Dunnigan for The Daily Answer. Until next time, see you in the funny papers.